The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info You and what's going on, guys? You got Daryl right here. Hopefully, we're going to have Coach Robinson with us in a little while. Hey, the Philadelphia Eagles sign a U.S. Army Ranger. Carl Malone kills a bear, and Jameis Winston goes to jail for stealing crab legs from the public supermarket. Hey, man, it's a whole lot more stories and a whole lot of sports going on this week on the Sports Info UM show. Hey, let's start out with let's start out with a little bit of NBA basketball. You know, some of us really thought that the Houston Rockets, you know, we really thought that they were going to make a move this year and do some things. But who would have ever thought that the um, – Portland Trailblazers will come from out of nowhere and do their thing. And and who would ever thought that the Indiana Pacers would struggle so mightily with the Atlanta Hawks, and now they're in for the fight of their life because the Washington Wizards were able to take out the Chicago Bulls in a 4-1 to one run and beat the Bulls. And, you know, uh, I tell you, man, Nene made – the NBA defensive player Noah looked like um, like a, just an average college guy. I tell you, you know, and this Wizards team is a team that we all have to look out for because they are coming with a lot of heat. John Wall is is the the fastest player in the NBA. But hey, you know, I I really kind of feel for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I I really think Kevin 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 um, Garnett. Paul Pierce, those guys have a little age on them. But when we look at this Brooklyn Nets team, and, and you know, and, and we look at them, I really think that they have actually put a team together with a lot of veterans on their bench. You know, um, you know, we look at we look at this Brooklyn team, and and we see we see Joe Johnson just you know, it, Joe Johnson is a true veteran. But he's a three-point specialist. He'll back you down. He 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 does it all. You know, and when we look at um, Jason Williams, who's another veteran that that's on this squad, he, you know, Jason Williams when his game is on, his his game is very 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 good. 
But when he's off, he's he's really uh, Darren Williams, uh, not Jason Williams, Darren Williams. And when Darren Williams' game is off, he struggles, and he really struggles. You know, I, he almost, I'm not going to say he cost him the game the other night, but, you know, he missed a couple of deadly free throws late in the game that really, really cost him, um, made made the game a lot tighter than it was. And I, I just think that um, this 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 Nets team has their hands full, and trust me, the Miami Heat, they've been rested. They're well rested. They've been waiting for a long time for this Brooklyn team. And, uh, and, and Brooklyn is, you know, we know that LeBron James is the best player on the planet. We know that the big three may not be as big as they used to be, but they're still the big three. We know Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, they're seasoned veterans. They won two championships in a row. This team knows how to play. They know how to win. It's just a matter of time before we see uh, we see if um, if this Brooklyn team can endure the the run that Miami is going to put on them. You know, we know Ray Allen is a three-point specialist. He has most three-pointers in the history of the NBA. So, hey, I, I really think it's it's going to come down to um to Washington and Miami coming out of the East this year. I think Indiana has really put a lot of put a lot of emphasis on 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 being the number one seed. I think they lost what it took to to sustain this long playoff grind that it's going to take. Um, I, I really don't know what we're going to do. But, hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break and see if we can't get some of this um, get some of this sound sounding right on the Sports Info UM show. We'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Go, 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 go. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. You know, guys, when we look at... um. At the Miami Heat, I really think they're going to dominate this series. And I, I think that Washington has some youth, Bradley Beal and John Wall. I really think they have enough youth to maybe push the Miami Heat to a possible game seven. Um, but if Miami runs to Brooklyn and sits back and wait on um, the winner out of Indianapolis and Washington, which I think is going to be Washington, I think it's going to be a long series for who, whoever comes out of that. But on the other side, out, out west, you know, you know, when we look at this series out west, um, you know, Houston just didn't have enough for Portland. Um, they, Portland is a, is, a, is, a, is a very long and linky team. They got great shooters from the outside. Aldridge is one of the best inside-outside players in the league. Um, I, I really think that they have a, have a chance to, to really upset some people out west. And I think it's going to be a possibility that, hey, um, don't be surprised if we see this this Portland Trailblazer team um, come out and do some things from the, from the West. Um, it's, it's a serious possibility. Aldridge is, like I said, he's a, a long and lanky player. Um, but don't forget the San Antonio Spurs are probably the best team in the league, and the San Antonio Spurs came from came from last year in Game Six, where they they probably should have won the NBA championship in Game Six. Popovich took out Tim Duncan, the best player on the floor. Hey, I think that has to be ringing in their head right now, and I know that they want to go back and 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 redeem themselves if nothing else. And I really think that they, they have an opportunity to do that. You know, this, this kid, Damian Lillard, uh, he is a, he, he is a, he's a serious three point shooter. Uh, he won the game for them two nights ago with the, with the, uh, a three point bucket that, um, that won the game. Didn't take him into overtime, but won the game 99, 98 in game six. And that was Friday night. So, you know, I really think that um, that Portland is a is a team to be reckoned with. Can they can they beat the San Antonio Spurs with? Well, it's a possibility because the Spurs are they're no young young spry team. You know the Spurs definitely you know with Ginobili and and when we look at Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, these guys are not young guys. These are all guys that have been in the league 10 years or more. And, um, hey, 10 years or more in this league, that's a long time. You know, these guys are pretty much like ancient guys. But in the last last team out west, the last two teams, L.A. Clippers, Doc Rivers, hey, and Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City, we look at them as a team that's, wow. You know, Kevin Durant, yeah, 
he is he he he'll definitely be this year's MVP. But hey, Michael Westbrook. I think anytime we see Westbrook scoring more points than Durant, um, the, the the Thunder have trouble. You know, even when they win, I don't think it's a good win for this team when Westbrook scores more points or has six or seven or even three or four more shots than the best player on the planet right now, and that's Kevin Durant. So I I, I look at this team as, uh, you know, when we look at the coaching for this team, I think Doc Rivers has to have an advantage. You know, LeBron James came out today and said that Kevin Durant deserves the MVP. Is this a, is this a ploy that, that our LeBron is putting in his head now to say, hey, yeah, you deserve the MVP, but are you going to be a champion? You know, hey, LeBron James, maybe he's trying to play some head games. Is that a possibility? But I think overall, when we look at this year's um, NBA championship, I think Doc Rivers, Chris Paul, I think they have a chance to play the San Antonio Spurs. I think the, I think Oklahoma, I just don't think they have enough on the bench coming off the bench. I think uh, the Clippers have Crawford coming off the bench. Uh, and uh, and I, I, they got big baby Davis, they just acquired. Um, Ginobili, he's out there. Not Ginobili, um I can't think of the other European guy, but I think they have enough coming off their bench to to sustain the wave that Oklahoma's going to put on them, and I think it's going to be be enough. And I really see um, L.A. Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs, probably the two best coaches from the West, is going to bring their two teams from the West. You know, play hey guys. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we we looked at this kid, um, Jameis Winston. You know, we follow his career a little bit. We're going to, you know, some people are going to ask some questions about Jameis Winston. You know, um, there's, you know, the, the story of, of the sexual assault, that has not left yet. You know, um, the girl is, is filing a civil suit against him. Um, and now, just last week, Jameis Winston goes to jail or gets arrested for stealing crab legs from Publix, from the public supermarket. He steals crab legs from Publix. But hey, Jameis Winston gets caught for stealing crab legs. Now, um, Jameis, I, I want you to understand that you are in an elite group. You are a Heisman Trophy winner. There's only a few of you still living in, in, in America. You know, this is an American tradition that is that is treasured by many, many, many people. And I hope, really hope that you hold this trophy in high esteem because if you're not going to hold it in high esteem, you might as well do like Reggie Bush did. Give it back, man. Come on. <laughs> Coach, what's going on? Hey, buddy. Hey, you're exactly right. The cost of uh, crab legs have gone up. Mm. <laughs> the cost of crab legs has gone up. Did you hear the story about the police when they went to his house, Coach? Yeah. 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 The police knocked on his door. No, no, no. And he came to the door and said, hey, you James Winston? He said, yeah, I'm James Winston. They said, you stealing crab legs from Publix? He said, No. And the police officer said, stop lying. I smell them cooking in the kitchen. 
Rich, maybe he's better at uh, dodging uh, defensive ends than he has police. Well, you know, Coach, um, you know, he's from – He's from down there where you from, you know. Y'all y'all like that seafood now. You know, he's from you know, like Alabama by way of Mississippi and Louisiana. You know, y'all love some crawfish and crabs down there now. Well, the thing about it is, Daryl, it is so sad. I mean, it's funny, but it's so sad that we have a guy, like you were saying, that has won the Heisman Trophy, one of the few men in the world, and he doesn't have enough money to buy crab legs that if the NCAA would allow it, he'd have more than enough money to buy whatever he wanted. You're right, Coach. You know, we talked about this earlier. You know, if if Jameis Winston went to Walmart and bought 10 footballs, the cheap ones, the $5 ones, so for 50 bucks he bought 10 footballs, and he signed every one of them and put them on Craigslist for $100, they'd be sold by, by, by Thursday? By Wednesday oh. afternoon, you oh. understand what I'm saying? And 24 if his, hours, 24 if he, hours. If he put his picture beside the picture of him signing it, they'd be sold in 24 hours. And here's a young man that could make a could make could could make um, four thousand dollars in a, in a little bit of time. Say five thousand dollars in a little bit of time, or five hundred dollars in a little bit of time. He can't afford to go and basically buy buy dinner for himself. Because he's on scholarship, I, I think it's, yeah. it's it's a terrible shame. It really it's criminal. Is. It's criminal. It, it, it well, really. Darryl, is. what do you think about the Eagles uh, signing this kid, uh, this uh, big old young in, in the army? Well, you know, I, I think um, is it a is it a is it a ploy? You know, I don't or, think or so. is I, he the guy? The guy's six nine, Daryl two seventy seven. And you know he's not lifting like he needs to be to be an NFL player. But if he gets on the weights, oh, my goodness. And you know the guy's got to be courageous. He's won the bronze star for Valor. Uh, you know, he's just all kind of things uh, that he's won. You know, he's been three tours in Afghanistan. Uh, he played collegiately at the West Point. So you know he's got some football ability. Yeah, but coach, you know, um, I think being a veteran playing in the NFL, I think that that carries. That's going to be a, a um, it's 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 almost like a, a token in a sense, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But you know, when when the when the Patriots sign a player like Will Smith, who who is a who's a true Ooh, veteran, yeah. you know that that's a, that's a big signing when. Philadelphia signed this kid, the U.S. Army Ranger. You know, it's a bigger story, and you know, Will Smith is a is a much more dominant defensive tackle than this kid probably will ever be. And I think I think we'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, um, some players have come from the military and, and made a a huge impact on the NFL. You know, come to mention is is Roger Starback. You know. Um, made a huge impact on the NFL. Napoleon Kaufman, who, who made somewhat of an impact, but nothing like what Roger Starback did. Well, you know, you were saying Will Smith. You know, Will Smith is 33, Daryl. He's played 10 years in the NFL. All of his career was with New Orleans. And so the last couple of years, he's been sidelined with, you know, he's had a torn ACL. Uh, you know, he's been up and down with all kinds of sideline surgeries the last few years. So, 
you know, his health is a question to me. I was sorry to see him leave because I'm a Saints fan, but he is not uh, the athlete he was in 04, for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I think um, if anybody's going to get the max out of him, it's going to be Bill Belichick. And, uh, oh, and, yeah. And Bill Belichick is happy to get one of Sean Payton's players because he knows what he's getting when he gets this guy, when he gets Will Smith in, in the program. And, you know, he's probably smart enough, Daryl, to say, hey, I don't care if the guy only plays a couple of downs a series. You know? Exactly. I can extend his, his, his playing ability by allowing him to only play a certain number of downs because Belichick has done that for years. He's picked up someone that everybody thinks is, his time has passed, and right away he turns out to be that guy that's a key lynch that uh, Belichick seems to do so well with. I, I agree with you. You know, um, but Coach, you know, when, when, when we're looking at this NFL, and I want to stay on this for a second, you know, the, the Vikings have reportedly discussed a trade for Sam Bradford from the Rams. Yeah. You know, I, you know, and and we hear that the Vikings, um, they want they want Sam Bradford. Um, the Rams, they got some picks. Maybe they're looking at Johnny Manziel. And I, I, I come back to this this Johnny Manziel. His stock is dropping like Teddy Bridgewater's. Uh, yeah, and, and you say that, but I just heard today that the GM and Jeff Fisher pulled Manziel into a room, told everybody else to get out. They talked for 15 or 20 minutes, and then everybody was happy when they dispersed. So maybe under the radar, they're trying to trade Sam Bradford, get Johnny Manziel with number two, and give him some some things that they need. They've been doing really good on picking up draft picks. They got their only team that's got twelve. Yes, they are. But when we look at um, Sam Bradford and his career with the Rams, the Rams really going to have to have a quarterback like, like Johnny Manziel because Sam Bradford has taken a lot of punishment being the Rams oh, yeah. quarterback. And, and if anything, <laughs> the Rams need to do is they need to draft Robinson, the number one offensive lineman in this year's draft. You know, just the thought of them letting Jake Long go a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that was before Jeff Fisher's time. But yeah. I think what's going to happen is I think that uh, we won't know until Thursday uh, how everybody's really holding their cards. They're all holding them pretty tight. Of course, I'm kind of liking the fact that Michael Vick paid this punter $10,000 so he could get his number back. <laughs> I like that, too. Hey, but, you know, you hear the stories about Clowney. Um, you know, the Texans, are they going to take Clowney with the number one pick? Their GM came out a couple days ago and said that, hey, you know, nothing is at this stone. It's a possibility that they 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 may trade this pick, um, the number one pick, and not take Clowney. But it seems to be a consensus that Clowney will be the number one player selected in this year's NFL draft. I think so, Daryl, and I think uh, everybody, uh, in every, I think that if you're a GM in the NFL, heck, if you're an NFL, or NBA or baseball or hockey guy, you're always, during the draft, going to listen. You know, if somebody's going to offer you that same round 
somewhere else, but some little extra piece of the pie, I think that's pretty amazing. And I think that's what he was saying. I think when the when the bell goes off, they'll take Clowney as their number one pick. That's just my my thought process. Really? You and know, I think and I think I think what's gonna happen with the Rams, they're fishing out there with Bradford, but I think in their first draft, which is number two, that they'll take an offensive tackle. Because they've got another draft number thirteen. Manziel may still be around. You know, I, I really think that um, Manziel, it's a possibility we may see him go as low as 22 to the Dallas Cowboys. And I think the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to be in a position where they have to take Johnny Manziel um, because he he's he's Texas and they're Texas. I don't see him going in the top ten. I just I just don't see it happening. I think he's too much of a risk for NFL. He he just really is. You know, in the NFL, man, when it's when they want the ball released on three, they want the ball released on three. When they want it released on five, they want it gone on five. Seven, the same thing. It's 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 not you can't turn your back on, on defenses in the NFL. Um you know, Russell Wilson has proved that you can, but I just don't see this kid having that same quick muscle twitch that Russell Wilson deals with. I, I'm not sure about that, but I know that he has definitely, and they talked about it, some of the talking heads talked about it today on uh, uh, ESPN uh, draft, is that a lot of times the kid would pass up open receivers to run the ball just because he wanted it to be in his hands than someone else's. So I, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but I know that uh, he's he's not the kind of guy I think I'd want to build my team around. I think he's a great ball player. I think he's a baller. I think as a coach and as a player, you always get excited about the kid, but I don't know if I'd want to try to put my, my team's whole emphasis riding on his shoulders. Well, if he was the height of Robert Griffin and had the speed of a Robert Griffin, I think we wouldn't be having, I wouldn't have the same thoughts about him that I have. But because he, 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 he he's not 6'3", um, because he doesn't run 4'4", four, 4'3", four, four, I, I can't put this kind of stock in this guy like he's the next prototype quarterback because He's really not close to that. Well, I think it, it comes down to character. I think when you think about the fact that, you know, why does everybody uh, was so excited about someone like Robert Griffin? Robert Griffin proved all through his career in college that he was a team guy. That he was a team player. He was Mr. Role Model. And so you don't mind, you don't mind saying, okay, I'm all good with it. As long as we understand who you think is the most important. Well, you know, um, Robert Griffin has actually shown us that he's not the kind of leader that he portrayed himself to be in the beginning. And um, he's actually turned out to be a little bit selfish. And hopefully he can grow out of that and, and move on. And But I look at Johnny Manziel, and I don't see him 
with that same kind of leadership that we saw from a Robert Griffin. Uh, I, I see a little bit more selfishness from him coming out of college than we saw from the Heisman Trophy winner, Robert Griffin, coming out of college. So um, he, he has a couple of strikes against him. The, the number one strike against him to me, he's under six feet at quarterback in the NFL. It's very tough. Drew Brees is an exception. He's, he's a true exception. But I don't right. see this kid as a – I don't see him a Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees is a pocket passer. I mean, at the last resort, he wants to run the ball. I think this kid here, his second resort, third resort, is definitely running the ball. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think, Daryl, what's happened is that the guy has an agenda that's not always team-oriented. Yeah, you know, and I said the Cowboys had the um, 22nd pick. The Cowboys actually have the 13th pick. And I could see Manziel possibly slipping up, to, slipping down to the 13th pick. But I look at this, whoever takes Manziel ahead of Bridgewater is making a big mistake. I think Bridgewater is a gamer. I think he's, he's what the NFL wants. He is a pocket passer. I look at Manziel. He's not a pocket passer. He's a scrambler. Um, you know, one of Manziel's um, coaches came out today and made a comment about Johnny Manziel is that, um, you know, they... It wasn't too nice. No, it wasn't too nice. You know, the comment was something like um, they watched him play uh, schoolyard football for three years at at Texas. Two years at Texas. And it's not going to happen anymore because you just don't do it and and That's basically what I've been saying for for a couple of months now is that Johnny Football is a street football player. He, 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 he basically calls stuff on the run. He's telling guys how to run routes as he's scrambling. That kind of stuff just doesn't work in, in, in NFL. They don't pay coordinators millions and head coaches millions for them to teach their quarterback how to scramble around and make a play. just doesn't happen well, like that. And, and not only that, Daryl, you know what the big difference in the league is. You have a great jump when you go from high school to college. The game is so much faster. But the speed that it picks up from college to the NFL is amazing. And Johnny Football is not going to run away from people like he did uh, in college. It's just not going to happen. Oh, no. No, he's he's definitely not going to be able to run away from people um, because, hey, defensive ends run faster than him. In, in, in the NFL. So he's not going to run away from people. However, um, will he be smart enough to make the, the conversion from college to pros? Will he be what Drew Brees has become? Well, can, he, can we see him someday standing in the pocket like a Drew Brees or, or um, basically standing in the pocket like a Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, is, he's, he's a pocket passer for sure. Yep. Hey guys, you listen to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. 
Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Coach, you know, um, this kid, Khalid Mack. They said he could be the Jaguars pick at number three. And it's almost a, a consensus that um, Greg Robinson is going to be the second pay- player selected. Um, I, don't, I don't see anything changing in that. I no. really think that Jadavian Clowney will be the first player selected. Now, I, that number three pick with, with Jacksonville, I don't think Jacksonville can afford to not take a skilled player like Sammy Watkins. I mean, Sammy Watkins is a, he's a deal breaker. I mean, this is a game breaker. Um, this kid has, he has a pedigree to be a, a game changer. And if you miss out on an opportunity to get something close to Megatron, the Detroit Lions, Calvin Johnson, I think we'd be making a big mistake in Jacksonville to pass him up to take a kid from a, from a smaller division school, Khalid Mack. I just don't see that as a good pick. <clears throat> Well, you know, the thing about it is, uh, Daryl, is that I think what we see now more than ever is there was a great uh, interview with uh, Jim Brown saying how this used to be a running back league and now it's definitely a quarterback league. That in the first 30 years, everybody's first thought process was to get a great running back and build your offense around him. And you being an old running back, I know you understand that. But it's not like that anymore where everybody does committee football. Nah, I, you're right. You know, but if it's a quarterback, 
league now, who's the second most important to a uh, to a quarterback? Who is the most important person to a quarterback? It's got to be a receiver. Got to be a receiver. You know, so the quarterback, eventually, I look at this league as possibly being where the quarterbacks are making millions, and who's the second paid high, highest paid player on the team is a receiver because these guys are catching 100 balls now like it's nothing. You know, back in the 80s, it was unheard of for a receiver to catch 100 balls. In the 90s, we saw this happening a little bit. But now, every year, we're seeing someone catch 100 balls or from two or three different teams. Oh, yeah, sometimes on the same team. Yeah, sometimes on the same team. <laughs> it's crazy. Yep, it really is. Hey, we got Roland on the line calling to give us a little NASCAR info. Roland, what's well, going on? The quarterback of the team would be a driver. Who's the most important person to him? Well, it's crew chief. <laughs> and then whenever he does a pit stop, who are the most important people? Oh, it could be the left front tire changer. could be the right rear. could be the jack man. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Roland, man. And we, we love you, Roland. Roland has his own show at Avia Report um, on 1380 AM in Volusia County, Florida. For you guys that don't know, uh, Volusia's in Daytona Beach, Florida. What's going on, Roland? Well, I tell you what, this Talladega race really, they brought some storylines forward that were pretty interesting. And uh, the, the biggest one to me was Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Earnhardt had a car which ran up front. Now, this was a brand-new Speedway car because, if you remember, he did win the Daytona 500. And part right. of what you have to do when you win the Daytona 500 is your car goes in the Daytona 500 display. They get to keep the car for years. So they came out with a new car, had it at Dega, and they ran really well with it. He got up front with it towards the end. And then... Because of the pit stop, he came out in the 20s. He decided that he would go to the back of the pack and wait until they ripped. Because he knew somewhere between lap uh, 10 to go or 15 to go, somewhere in there, there was going to be another big one. Sure enough, 12 laps to go, there's a big one. So he came back out, and what he did, he lined up on the outside, and he's the master of finding the air along the wall. And he shot up through there, but unfortunately, seven car came out in front of him and just totally stalled him well oh, he yeah. knows the math and he knows air just like his daddy did i mean he decided that he was not going to be able to finish at talladega the way that he wanted to and he literally pulled himself to the back of the pack and was quoted after the race to say he's saving the car for the july race at daytona i just found that to be extraordinary that he did that <laughs> Do you think that's extraordinary, or is it a cop-out, Roller? Come on, man. I mean, what is his fan? How does his fans have to look at him and say, hey, you mean you were out there, you didn't give us your all in all, you didn't give us 100% today, you you thought that it would be best for you to hold back and save for a net for another day? I just don't, I don't think that's cool. But here's what the thing of it is. It has to do with the current formula. The, core, the formula now to get in the chase is you have to have at least one win. He already did that. If right, you have two right. wins, you're almost guaranteed. He's already proven himself with multiple wins at Daytona and at Talladega. He just thought that he would pull back and fight for a better day because of all the wrecks happening. So, you know, if he does win at Daytona, he's a lock to get into the chase. So it's the formula itself that may have done it, even though the formula is supposed to try to get you 
up front to win more often. Now, Denny Hamlin, first time ever at a, at a plate restrictor track, he won, and uh, he's now going to be perhaps locked into the chase coming up. Now, wow. Danny, uh, Roland, let me ask you this. Dale Jr. is talking about all these short track races, and it seems like there's a lot of fans that are talking about it. Do you believe that's going to happen? In reference to what? Short track. He was just, you know, when he was on the Fox uh, race uh, show uh, prior to uh, Sunday's race, he pleaded a case for having more short track races in the Sprint Cup series. Well, I, I do believe that um, when they talk about short track, uh, they're actually talking about the one-and-a-half-mile or less right. tracks and, and making it more equitable that way. They do a variety of tracks, but the bottom line is in this whole racing uh, market that we've got nowadays, they're going to go, or NASCAR is going to go, where the money is, where they can pull the most fans, have the most visibility, get those TV ratings, and that's what this is based around. It's not based around the racing itself. To me, the two best tracks are Atlanta and Michigan. They are two-mile tracks that are non-restrictor tracks, and that means that the driver gets to use the gas pedal going around the track. <laughs> Talladega and Daytona won't allow that, though. They'll, the cars can more easily get airborne, and so they have to restrict them. Hey, Roland, you know... Um it always comes back to the only female on the track. You know, last week Danica had an issue where she, they say she caused another accident. Um, how long are we going to, are we going to have to endure this? Or are we just going to have to wait for her to get better? Is she ever going to get better? We're looking at a whole different form of racing than what she was involved in. I'm not making excuses for it. Well, Roland, this has been fendered, many years that we've been saying that. I know that. Fendered cars take a certain amount of finesse. I have to believe that the cars coming out of the Tony Stewart stables are going to be good cars and they have the capability of, of winning. If you're speaking about Talladega and the initial wreck, that was Brad Kozlowski, driving over his head once again, and he proved that again at the end of the race. Six laps down, took out 14 cars. Just because right. you were a champion doesn't make you a good driver either, and just because you're finishing consistently in the 20s doesn't make you bad. You have to remember, these are the 43 premier stock car drivers on planet Earth. She has earned her spot there. Yes, you might say it's a case of mediocrity, just finishing in the middle the way that she does, but she's the only woman doing it, and that, to me, <laughs> gives her big kahunas than a whole lot of other guys do out there. And, and the crowd went crazy when she led for six laps. Yeah, and they go so, crazy when Junior, you know, leads, too. Oh, so, sure. Uh, yeah, you other, know. Other news that happened, uh, the drivers are just very unhappy with Keselowski driving over his head again. Um, uh, Clint Boyer has signed a, a contract extension with Michael Walter of Racing, and uh, Kansas is coming, and that's going to be a heck of a race coming up. And then, of course, we have the Daytona race coming here, and it's going to be interesting. The qualifying format, I think, is skewed. When you had all of those cars from uh, the, well, the, who was on the pole? Hello, the 33 car, Richard Childress. They figured out they could go out on a six-car pack and earn the right to be the top six cars up there. I don't like the uh, qualifying format, and I think Brian France is going to continue to tinker with it until it's up with something that's very crowd-pleasing. 
Well, Roland, well, you appear now, to have more confidence Dennis, than France and a lot of us do. Now, Dennis uh, is leading with points, though, right? Uh, no, at this point, Joey Logano is the first oh, is in points overall, yes. The number 22 car. Uh, points don't really make Well, the reason for that is he's got two wins. Kevin Harvick right. is second. He's got two wins. He has less points than the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place cars, but they've got two wins. So that right. that shows the chase thing. Now, as far as points go, again, it has to do with Logano. And yesterday, here we have uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. finishing 25th, and he's fourth overall in the chase cut points. That's all they're going for. It's to get in the chase. That's what the formula is for. You're going to race 26 races to figure out what you're going to do in the final 10 races. And then they got the format where it goes races, four races, and three or something like that. But anyway, it's right. uh, going to be interesting the way they're going to do it. Well, Roland, before I let you go, man, um, Matt Keswick, that's my driver this year. I'm pulling for him to take take the title. Um, what do you see him ending up this year, Matt Keswick? Matt Kenseth will be in the chase again. Matt Kenseth has always been a good driver. He uh, was loyal, though, overall to the uh, to the uh, Roush Racing Stable. Once he left that, he came over to um, Joe Gibbs Racing. He had a tremendous year last year. He's been running up front this year, and that really does make a difference. I want to go back and make a correction. If I go back to the point standings themselves in first right. place, Jeff Gordon, Eric Motorsports. Right. He has 347 points. Matt Kansas just three points behind him at 344. Kyle Busch with Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, uh, 343 points. He's four points out of the league. Then Dale Earnhardt Jr., Carl Edwards, which is a Roush car, uh, and Joey Logano, who is first overall in the chase points because of the two wins. Jimmy Johnson doesn't have any wins yet at all, but he's got enough points right now to where he could get in if it was qualifying today. Greg Biffle out of Roush, uh, Ryan Newman out of Richard Childress, which is another one of the stories of somebody switching a team and getting better. And then finishing out the top ten is uh, the uh, Brian Vickers and number 55 Michael Waltrip racing car. So one of the amazing stories for this year, two rookies. In 13th place, Chip Ganassi racing with Felix Sabatis, Kyle Larson, the number 42 car, which rode around the track in mediocrity with a really good open-wheel racer, Juan Pablo Montoya. And now, you know, here we see Kyle Larson also as a, uh, you know, a young driver making that car work. And then Richard Childress racing taking over for Kevin Harvick, uh, Austin Dillon, his grandson in 14th place. But they're the two leading uh, rookies, and they're the people to watch for. Kyle Larson, I predict, will have a win this year, and will make it in. In his first year in Cup, will make it in the top ten. Hey, Roland, you know, before we no. let you go, man, um, the one name that we have not talked about in NASCAR is Smoke, Tony Stewart. You know, he's not even in the top 20. What's going on with Tony Stewart? Uh, he is finding out uh, what it's like to race all the time, and then not be able to race and have an injury. And he's also being a team owner. He's got cars yeah. that run up front, and it takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of talent. I think that uh, this might not be the year you'll see him get into the uh, in, into the chase, but uh, don't ever count Tony Stewart out. He's a, he's a late comer, and 
Uh, thank you, Peter. As a matter of fact, I'm looking through the points here, and I don't even see him. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Now, Roland, now, this weekend is the uh, five-hour Energy 400. Yeah. Who do you like for that? Well, I tell you, the Ford cars have always run good there, but the Toyotas have been showing more um, as far as their torque uh, and horsepower. The, the corners do make a difference there, and so I would look for that. But the way that Hendrix runs, many of the cars that won this year, for instance, the uh, the cars for uh, the Newman Haas, check that, the uh, Stewart Haas Racing, those are Hendrix right. cars. So, right. you know, that makes a difference. So, you know, I, I don't know. These these nowadays, with the way that they've got the points, it's any man's race. Or, um, well, okay, any racer's race. <laughs> By the way, Tony Stewart is 21st in points. He's 103 points out. He's going to have to win to work his way in. He just, just dropped six positions in the last race because he got wrecked in the last race. Uh. We'll see how it works out. It'll be interesting. It will be. I think one thing that people are, you know, they say that these new rule changes are the anti-Jimmy Johnson rule. Well, so far, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, no win, and he's seventh in points. So we're going to see how all this shakes out. It does look like it's changed the complexity. A man that has run very well and up front, you haven't heard a whole lot about, just won the last race, Denny Hamlin. I think he's right. a comer. Watch for him. I also believe... There's a reason why the, the Michael Waltrip Racing gave the five-hour energy number 15 car, Toyota, of Clint Boyer, why they gave him an extension. Watch for him, too. This is a year where typically these type of drivers, you know, begin to excel and come to the forefront. It'll be interesting this weekend to see what happens. You got it. It's always interesting in NASCAR. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I, just, I, I want to say, I'm going to harp on this just for one more moment, and that's that, uh, you know, NASCAR is, was born out of the short tracks of America, and we were used to seeing the Sunday races. I'm very disappointed when NASCAR starts going to Saturday Night Racing when it's on TV because I really think it hurts a lot of uh, racetracks uh, and race fans because they want to see the top-tiered racing, and I just hope that we don't get into a situation where we always have those uh, Saturday night races. And the reason why they do it is, of course, they have the rain day for the next day on Sunday. Right. It's really something right. else. Well, I didn't know that, Roland, and uh, thanks for telling me. But, Roland, next time you call, I think we want to get into a little bit about some of these foreign cars that have made their way into NASCAR. We have Toyota now. When are we going to see Honda and Nissan? Come on, man. You know, hey, Roman, don't be a stranger. A and call Hyundai? us back next week. <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's cubic dollars. You saw Dodge drop out, and, uh, yeah. you know, it, it made all the sense in the world for them to be involved. It just has to do with how much research and design on Toyota is really out front there and uh, how much acceptance there would be coming in. We are seeing a new culture in NASCAR. It's not as Americanized or, of course, southernized as it used to be. It's more of a, uh, a national sport. And so you're probably going to see with many of the cars being made here in the United States already, you may see a Honda sometime soon. If they decided to do it, I guarantee Honda would be one of the premier cars that would come out there because they have 
outstanding motor programs in uh, many other forms of motorsports, and so they would be really something special. Oh, for sure. You know, Honda is one of the uh, most notable racing teams in, in the world. You know, when you look around racing as um, not only um, the, the open-wheel racing, um, the Formula One, Honda has been a dominant um, engine in that that racing uh, category as well. So it not, it's not going to surprise me for, um, for Honda to, to be the next motor to step up into the NASCAR racing. You know, we have the new track being built for the fans' comfort and safety, etc., at Daytona. It's called Daytona Rising, and it is, is an it amazing, is unbelievable huge. design. And I was hoping for one special design, guys. You know, earlier I talked about the restrictor plate trucks. The reason why they started putting restrictor plates on is going all the way back to 1988 when Bobby Allison almost went through the fence at Talladega and did injure some fans at that time. Even last year during the nationwide race, we saw how Carr got up into the fence and injured folks. Matter of fact, they just went through a settlement with the last nine people, I believe, that were injured with it. Here was my idea to that racing, to make it real racing again. I was hoping they would take out the first 30 rows, which means that you would start with the rows pretty high up in the air, okay? Right. You just take out the first 30 rows, and you make that, you know, a no-fans area. You don't need to be that up close to the fence to really get the feeling of those cars going around there at 195 miles an hour. You got well, two my minutes, idea really? was is to move back those stands, take off the restrictor plates, open up the front cowl, take the front windshield, put it more upright, and make those guys, when they go into the turns, actually lift off the pedal and drive the cars instead of this wide-open toes to the radiator syndrome that they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but I, I don't know if they're doing, I don't know if they're doing the stands that way, but that would really be something different if they did. Well, Roland, I think you, I think you're on to something. And, and all of us that have ever gone to NASCAR know that the higher your seat is, the better your view is. So people that are actually sitting down there close to the track, they hardly see anything. The cars and, pass them so fast and it's so loud, they can't see anything. Well, they can see the top of the car go past. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roland, thanks for calling, man, it. and thanks for being a part of Sports Info UM show. And, Roland, please call us and give us more um, NASCAR updates and give us more sports updates, man. And, and we'll be listening out for you on the Roland Veer Report. You got it. Thank you, Darrell. I appreciate your calls to my show. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Roland. Hey. Yeah. Hey, that was Roland that was Veer. Nice giving us our NASCAR report. And, Coach, he's going to call in from time to time and give us a NASCAR report. But, hey, Coach, you got the last minute. The open mic is yours. Well, Daryl, let me say that I really enjoyed talking to Roland because I don't know enough, even though we live right here close to uh, Daytona Speedway, that it's uh, amazing some of the stuff you can pick up from somebody as knowledgeable as him. And all, I have so many friends that aren't just football guys that are real race fans. And they're just, they have that other sport that we sometimes don't, Daryl, you and I, and we kind of suffer when the football season is over. <laughs> Even though we, we look up and listen to some, we've had some great NBA, and I'm looking forward to the rest of those series. Heck, I've uh, got a good friend that's just so crazy about the, uh, NHL, and I, and I and he said he was on call tonight, but he didn't undoubtedly. 
Hey, well, Coach, um, I am a big NASCAR fan. I've been down to the Daytona International Speedway several times. I've seen the Daytona 500 at least two or three times. And, hey, guys, you listen to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll be back next week, same time, 8 to 9. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.